If you would, please turn to Luke chapter 1. want to continue reading at just a portion of section that was not read yet this morning, and that is Luke chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, 18 through 23. Listen carefully, the holy word of God. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we have such rich narratives from thy spirit to Luke and Matthew concerning the coming of thy son into the world. We ask that our hearts would be open to the gospel each moment and rejoice in the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. I'm sure that almost all of us who are here this morning are very familiar with the theme of humility with respect to the birth of our Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Mark series, we have accented that his parents are from the town that often was not even found on the map in the area of Galilee, the insignificant town of Nazareth. Then a simple couple, Mary and Joseph, is chosen by the Lord to be the parents of our Savior, as we note there in chapter 1 of Luke, verse 27. As we look at Luke's birth narrative, he picks up on the decree of the emperor of Rome, Caesar Augustus, that all the world needs to be registered. We can look at that as a kind of census at this time. In light of this decree, Joseph, who was of the family lineage of David, 
was required to take Mary, his betrothed, to be registered in the area of Judea and the city of David, Bethlehem. It was quite a journey, especially in those days. From Nazareth, which is in the north, to Bethlehem, a small town about five miles south of Jerusalem. The trip, depending on how they went, takes about 70 miles in those days. Yes, they were to register in the city, in the city near the vicinity of Rachel's burial, the residence of Ruth and Boaz, as well as Obed and Jesse, the father of David. They passed the city that housed the kings, the royalty of Judah, Jerusalem, for the lesser surroundings of Bethlehem. In the Lord's providence, Bethlehem and not Jerusalem was the house of David. Bethlehem would be the place to register the family lineage of David. And as we know the story, by the time they arrived in Bethlehem, the town was so busy with those who were coming to register There was no room in the inn. Chapter 2, verse 7. They were relegated to a lowly stable where as we sing, the cattle are lowing. And when Jesus was born, he was placed in a manger because there was no crib for a bed. The theme that our Redeemer, the King of the entire universe, was born in a stable and not a palace. Placed in a manger and not a royal crib. Has made its way into the pulpits of the Christ churches for centuries. And yet many have used the gospel for the sake of of their own personal prestige and advancement of personal wealth without regard to how God, who owns the the cattle on a thousand hills, has brought his own son into the creation. Why is it so hard to see the true supernatural and spiritual essence of the gospel in the manner that God, the, that God himself sent his son into the world. In the stable and manger, you are hearing the essence of the call to the gospel. Come, everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Oh, the treasures, the riches that are found solely in Jesus Christ. 
No amount of money can purchase it. It comes to all of us as free grace. Well, stimulated by a point made by John Calvin, I wish to place before you another element about the theme of humble beginnings of our Savior found in Luke's narrative. Let's pick up on one of those interesting themes in Luke's gospel, which extends into Luke's book on the Acts. That theme is the temple. Obviously, we do not develop, obviously, we will not develop this theme comprehensively this morning, but I would like to place before you a few ideas from the biblical text to think about in your daily communion and fellowship with your Redeemer. The temple theme emerges very early in Luke's gospel, there in chapter 1, verse 9. We are introduced to Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of Christ's forerunner, John the Baptist. We are only told of John's parents in Luke's gospel. We learn that Zechariah is a priest in the temple and that Elizabeth is from the house of Aaron, the priestly line in Israel. Chapter 1, verse 5. We learn quickly that they are definitely the fruits of the Old Testament prophetic language about the faithful remnant that the Lord will preserve in covenant unto himself. Notice how they are described in chapter 1, verse 6. Don't miss it. They are both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Remember how the canon of the Old Testament closes, how it ends. The Lord calls out the priests in Malachi's day for despising the name of the Lord with their polluted sacrifices. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6 through 2, 3. We opened up when I came here with a series on Malachi. In Malachi chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, in spite of those priests' disobedience, the Lord will keep his covenant oath with Levi. In his grace, the Lord marvelously planted a righteous priest and his wife in place prior to the coming of Christ. (laughs) Wow. This is quite an interesting change in turn of events. When the Old Testament came to an end, it did not seem except for the promise of the Lord that the priesthood could be revived. But the promise of the Lord in Malachi concerning the coming of the priesthood of Christ is foreshadowed right before us in the person of Zechariah. We have a priest here who is upright and lives a life of peace. Yes, he 
as well as Elizabeth, lived blamelessly before the Lord. Their lives as parents will be a wonderful preparation for the messenger of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, their son will be the promised messenger preparing the way for the Lord himself, Jesus Christ. Indeed, the Aaronic priesthood, the covenant with Levi, is not dead as the book of Malachi ends. The Lord places the righteous priest Zechariah before our eyes along with his righteous wife. As she will give birth to John who possesses the instruction of knowledge on his lips He will bring the final warning and judgment that requires repentance for the imminent arrival of the kingdom of God. Think of it this way. If you are truly comprehending the connection between Malachi 2, 4 through 10, and the appearance of Zechariah and Luke, we can say this, Zechariah the priest is the forerunner to John the Baptist, who will have the imagery of a prophet, the spirit of Elijah, chapter 1, verse 17 of Luke. So John the Baptist, who is in the family tree, in his family tree, is the line of the priest. And as he comes in the imagery of Elijah, the prophet, is the forerunner to Christ in the inauguration of the kingdom of God. And what will Christ possess? Christ will possess All the offices, he will be king, he will be prophet, he will be priest. He will have them all. But as the narrative of Luke unfolds, we learn that Zechariah the priest does not remain completely blameless. When the angel Gabriel announces that he and Elizabeth are going to have a son, when they are old and advanced in age, Zechariah doubts that such a birth can occur. Does he not remember how the Lord initiated his covenant promise to Abraham and Sarah, that in spite of the age of Sarah, that, and that she had been barren all her life, that she had a son, Isaac, to her husband, Abraham, recorded in Genesis 17. Well, just as the Lord kept his covenant oath when expectation seemed impossible under the old covenant, likewise the Lord will keep his covenant oath when expectations seem impossible to to bring the new covenant in the birth of John the Baptist and even more so the birth of Christ.
Meanwhile, do not miss that because of his doubt, remember, all things are possible for the Lord. Zechariah was struck with the Lord's judgment and was unable to speak. As Gabriel has entered the text, let us see him as a backdrop for the contrast between John the Baptist and Christ. In these contracts, in these contrasts, think of the humility of Christ coming into the world. Although Zechariah and Elizabeth are living in a town in the hill country of Judah, they are part of the prominent life of a priest and in the temple of Jerusalem. On the other hand, Mary and Joseph, as already mentioned, are from Galilee, as well as from an unknown poor town, Nazareth. Next contrast, Zechariah and Elizabeth are old and most likely have been married for many years without children. On the other hand, Mary and Joseph are young and have just recently been betrothed. And Mary is a virgin. The next contrast, Zechariah is struck with fear as Gabriel appears to him one twelve, as Gabriel appears to Mary before Mary, she is greatly troubled for one twenty nine. Both are troubled because judgment often accompanies supernatural appearances. Although judgment is coming, they will not be a long they will not be long term recipients of that judgment. Yes. And here is the contrast. Zechariah will receive a period of being mute with his speech. But Mary, but Mary receives the immediate encouragement to not be afraid because she has found favor with the Lord. Congregation, don't miss Gabriel's message from the Lord that brings temporary judgment upon Zechariah. Gabriel announces to Zechariah that he is going to have a son, John. Joy and gladness will come with his birth. People will rejoice. From the very beginning, John will be filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. He is going to turn many in Israel to the Lord as the Lord goes before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, the text says. He is going to bring change in the people's hearts. The disobedient will, be, will have the wisdom of the just. And most of all, he will prepare the people for the Lord. In contrast, in contrast to the priest in the temple, Zechariah, Gabriel comes to Mary, a young woman. He does not appear to Joseph, 
who is specifically mentioned in Luke to be of the house and lineage of David. Mary is the recipient of God's favor. The phrase here has the meaning that she has favor from the Lord as that which is a special gift, that which comes from grace. She does not find favor because she went seeking for it. Please allow that to sink deep into your Christian heart. She does not seek favor. She does not possess it because she pursued it. It comes as gift. Now comes the incredible revelation. She will conceive and bear a son, his name Jesus. Jesus, he is the one who is the son of the most high God of heaven and earth. He is the king long awaited for the throne of David, a kingship over Jacob's house forever. It has no end. No more failed kingships in the house of Jacob. Think about that. Think of that as an Israelite knowing their own history. Their own history in terms of the children of Jacob. Israel and Judah. The kings are filled with failure. That's coming to an end. That's coming to an end. Finally, the king is coming. Who does not fail. Let us now return to the position of the Holy Spirit in the narrative. We have noted that John the Baptist is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even from Elizabeth's womb, chapter 1, verse 15. In fact, I am sure that you recall that Mary visited Elizabeth in her home. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting... John the Baptist leaped in her womb. And then Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and declared with a loud voice, the text says, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And as John the Baptist begins his ministry, the Holy Spirit will continue to fill John with the spirit and the power of Elijah, the text says, turning many disobedient hearts to be ready for the appearance of the wisdom of justice in the appearance of the Lord himself who is coming, Jesus Christ. Now in contrast, Mary, does not respond to Gabriel's revelation with doubt. 
she does seem perplexed. How can I give birth to a son, the son of the Most High, since I am a virgin? Chapter 1, verse 34. Well, in Elizabeth's case, the Holy Spirit will fill John the Baptist from the time he is in her. Whereas, with respect to Mary, the same Holy Spirit is actually going to conceive in Mary the Holy Son of God, free from original sin. At this point, Gabriel informs Mary that her relative Elizabeth, who is old and has been barren, for also is also going to have a child. After all, Gabriel declares nothing will be impossible with God. God can bring forth a prophet from an old barren woman. And even more miraculously, God can conceive and bring forth his own son from a young woman who is a virgin. Mary immediately submits to the impossible. There's no argument from her. And her submission is affirmed in willful servitude to the Lord and to his word. Her servitude to the Lord will manifest itself in more than one way. It will not only be demonstrated in being submissive to the word of the Lord. But she will find herself being a willful servant to the one who is born from within her. The Holy Son of God. The one who is the incarnation of servanthood himself. Philippians 1, excuse me, Philippians 2, 1 through 11. We have continually, isn't it interesting, in terms of our messages recently, whether from Mark or now here, that the concept of servanthood emerges as quintessential to the response of the Lord Jesus Christ and our lives in Christ. Here it is again. We saw it in Peter's mother-in-law in Mark. Here it is once again. Now in the one who is privileged privileged to give birth to the Christ child. She will humbly serve the Christ who comes forth from her. In contrast to her husband, Zechariah, Elizabeth will praise Mary 
as blessed because she immediately believed, she embraced by faith that the Lord would fulfill what his angel infallibly communicated to her. Zachariah, as the priest in the temple, enters into the final era of redemption, the eschatological age, the age of the Messiah and the Holy Spirit, with hesitation and doubt. Not so, isn't it interesting? Not so in Elizabeth and in Mary. Their eyes. Their hearts are set upon the preparation of the Messiah in John the Baptist in the era also that is coming in terms of the Messiah and the Holy Spirit. Mary pledges to be a servant of the Lord according to the word of the Lord and the angel At that commitment, at that commitment by Mary, the text points out at that moment, the angel departs. Her pledge, her oath, her commitment to the gospel is in. Mary will be the servant of To the one who will be born from within her. Mary will sing the song of a servant. You know that. You know that. It's recorded there in chapter 1 verses 46 through 55. Zachariah's tongue is opened. It becomes open. When he wrote the name of John, when they were asking, who should be, what should this son be called? He wrote John. And all of a sudden, as he writes that, he is able to speak. And he enters into, this priest enters into prophecy in chapter 1, 67 through 79. The voices of Zechariah. And Mary now join together. They join together the festival chorus. Announcing that the Redeemer from Abraham. The horn of salvation from the house of David. Is about to arrive upon the scene. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please let it be by the spirit of the living God upon your hearts this week. Nothing will be the same because Jesus came. Is that your life? Is that your life? Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful for what thou hast done for us in Christ. We thank thee for his coming. Let not our 
hearts be troubled. Let our faith in confidence and in assurance cling to what thou hast done in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to see that we are indeed blessed by his coming into the world with such great and last, long-lasting humble beginnings. Help us to register on our hearts and help us to love him as the one who has given himself for each of us. In Christ's name, amen.